Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. How are you, Phoebe? I'm all right, thanks, Dad. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's uh, good. Good. Yeah. It's been a good week so far. That's good. So tonight, I'm going to tell you a story set in Ireland. Oh. Um, I don't think we've done any Irish ones Do you know, I don't think we have. I was thinking that. And following on from your story last week, this also Belgium. involves some women involved okay. in a murder. The story starts, really, on the 30th of March 2005, when a dismembered leg with a sock still on the foot was seen mm. floating in the Dublin Royal Canal just a few hundred yards away from Croke Park. Once the guardie had been alerted, they subsequently retrieved most of the rest of the body in seven different parts. After several media appeals, the guardie identified the body, which was actually headless, so they they didn't have any kind of facial features to go from, but they identified the body as that of Farah Swale Noor when somebody recognised the T-shirt that was on the recovered torso. So Farah Swale Noor was a 38-year-old man when he died, and he arrived in Ireland in December 1996, claiming to be a Somalian refugee called okay. Shalila Shalim, whose family had been killed in Mogadishu. However, subsequent investigations revealed that he was in fact Kenyan and that his family was still alive. Ah. The Department of Justice, Equality and Law Reform ordered that he was to be deported, but he appealed and was granted Irish citizenship in March 1999 on the grounds that he became the father of an Irish-born child. He had four previous convictions for offences by this point, including intoxication, threatening and abusive behaviour and assault. So by all accounts, not a very nice man. Mm-hmm. Uh, further confirmed by the fact that in 1997, he raped a mentally disabled 16-year-old Chinese girl who, who later gave birth to his son. And two other women had had children by him, um, but they'd both said that they'd been raped by him, not that it had been kind of consensual. consensual. Right. He'd faced eight charges of disorder and assault, Another one involving a sexual assault in which a knife was found at the scene by the guardie. And he was convicted on three occasions, but never served time in jail. He lived in a number of areas around Dublin. And the guardie described him as being, a, as being particularly violent towards women. Nor was actually a suspect in the, the unsolved murder of Renee Murray, which took place in September 1999. But they could okay. never find enough evidence and authorities have now sort of decided that he wasn't involved in it. In 2002, Noor started a relationship with Kathleen Marshall. Kathleen was from Kilclare Gardens, a working class area in Talite, which is in South Dublin, together with her husband, John. She had a family of three boys and three girls, so six children all together. John Mulhall, who was Kathleen's husband, allegedly abused Kathleen quite a lot throughout their entire relationship and their marriage eventually broke down in the early 2000s leaving Kathleen to enter this relationship with Farah Swale Noor in 2002. Noor moved into their family home with Kathleen and John Mulhall took some of his children so some of the six and he Mm -hmm. moved out 
at this point they they ranged in age from kind of teens up to 30 so there were some, oh, wow. still some who were kind of still living at home john rented various accommodations in dublin over a period of a year and then he moved back into the family home after kathleen left it and uh, moved to cork with nor kathleen and nor returned to dublin in 2004 where they started living together in their own place and i think going off what we were saying earlier nor continued his uh kind of streak and he allegedly subjected Kathleen Marshall to regular beatings Mm, not a nice chap no two of Kathleen's daughters were Linda and Charlotte Mulhall and they're very close to their their mum so in 2005 Linda was 30 years old she was unemployed she'd left school early and had four children Mm -hmm. the relationship with the father of her children broke up and she was in another relationship with an individual who was then abusing her children. And Linda had a history of alcohol abuse and suffered from an addiction to heroin. She had one previous conviction from 1993, when she'd have been uh, (laughs) 18-ish, for larceny. And her sister, Charlotte, was 21. She also had a history of drug and alcohol abuse. She had a number of minor previous convictions for criminal damage, and public order offences. And she was charged with criminal damage and given the Probation Act in October 2005. She was also involved in prostitution. I think it's fair to say that, and it was described, that their upbringing was coined as kind of troubled and tough. Mm. Um, And I think it kind of really paints a picture of, you know, (laughs) this big family in this very poor area of Ireland. Those are the very words going through my head that you you painted a really good picture of this. uh, (laughs) The um, situation, yeah. 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 So on the 20th of March, 2005, Linda, Charlotte, their mother, Kathleen, and her boyfriend, Farah Swalate Noor, had uh, spent the day going around Dublin drinking, basically. And they were all very drunk. Farah bought a bottle of vodka and Kathleen purchased a bottle of Coca-Cola. Um, which they drank as they walked around the city centre before stopping on the River Liffey boardwalk where Charlotte and her mother took some ecstasy tablets. That's one way to spend some time with your mum, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. They returned to Kathleen's and Norse flat where the women continued to take ecstasy and Kathleen crushed a tablet into Norse drink so that they were all on the same buzz. Linda and Noor were sitting on a two-seater sofa with Charlotte sitting on the arm when uh, reportedly Noor started touching Linda in a sexual way. He spoke into her ear, put his arms around her waist and refused to let go. Kathleen, who was obviously upset by the situation, then started screaming at him and a verbal altercation took place where Kathleen was alleged to have instructed them to just kill him for me. Charlotte then picked up a Stanley knife and struck Noor across the throat, inflicting a wound that sent him to the ground. Linda then picked up a hammer and hit him on the head a number of times. Their mother looked on, but she didn't participate. Noor was stabbed at least 27 times. Um, It could have been more, but pathologists never got the opportunity to examine his entire body. So um, from the the bits that they found... Right, they they counted 27. They counted 27, yeah. So then Linda and Charlotte dragged his corpse, because he was, he was dead by this point, into the bathroom, where they began to dismember his remains. 
his head, limbs and penis were all severed using a kitchen knife and a hammer. They put towels over his legs to stem the flow of the blood. Which I'm not entirely sure how much good that would have done. And the dismemberment took a number of hours because it would, wouldn't it? To yeah. Dismember a body. Cutting a leg off with a kitchen knife is going to yeah. take some doing. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I could not do that with my kitchen knife. I can barely cut through like chicken with my kitchen knife. So I definitely <laughs> couldn't take like a leg off with it. It's kind of reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> the body parts were, I thought that earlier when I was Googling, like, how do you get blood out of bed sheets? <laughs> I was thinking, like, I don't know what looks at my Google history like that. <laughs> um, the, the the dismemberment took a number of hours and the body parts were placed in black plastic bags and a sports bag before being disposed of in the canal. Okay. Um, and it took the, th- the three women took them that night um, and dumped them in the canal. And it took them several trips to do it. So they were kind of making several trips out that night with these bags full of body parts. They decided not to throw the head in to prevent identification. And apparently the head was bought by bus to to light where they walked through the square shopping center uh, to Timon North Park and it was there where Charlotte dug a hole with a knife and buried the head and Kathleen threw the knives and the hammer into a nearby pond a number of days later Linda returned to the park and dug up the head using her son's school bag she transferred it to a field in the Killinarden estate to light where she smashed it up with a hammer some more before burying it again Hmm. so as i said at the right at the beginning the killing only came to light 10 days later when his leg with the sock on the end was seen floating in the canal and when they dived and they found the rest of the body and then they kind of put some media appeals out saying they'd found this body we have no idea who this was Um, so there was a torso and four limbs floating in the canal yes the body was found in seven different parts i don't know if like it was kind of okay. the top and the bottom of the legs, the top and the bottom of the arms, and then the torso, potentially. But obviously, yeah, no, no head. And they, they put appeals out. Once they dis- discovered who it was, they put further appeals out with further photos. And um, a key witness came forward, who was a Somalian man, who said that he had seen Noor with Linda, Charlotte, and Kathleen a few days earlier on their kind of drinking Oh, yeah, and drug. Around Dublin. Yeah. And his head and his penis were never actually found. So the the only reason they know kind of what happened to his head is from, from what was said. But those parts of him were never found. So Linda and Charlotte and Kathleen were arrested in August 2005. So it took quite a long time for them to be arrested. And they denied any knowledge of the killing. But a number of weeks later, Linda contacted investigating officers and admitted her involvement. Gardy took a voluntary statement from her at her home in Tolite in August 2005. And until then, they'd been making really limited progress because they just didn't have any sort of evidence to go on, really. No clues. No clues. When they searched the flat that Kathleen and Noor lived in, they found bloodstains that were later confirmed to match Noor's DNA. And after Linda's confession, uh, Kathleen Mulhall fled the country and Gardy were unable to locate her again until January 2008. Okay. And she'd uh, taken herself off to England. Well, three so Lin- years. For three years, yeah. And they hadn't three years on the run. Three years, three on, years the run. on the run. Wow. Yeah. 
So Linda and Charlotte were both charged with murder and pleaded not guilty in the Central Criminal Court. The trial took place in October 2006, with Linda being found guilty of manslaughter, while Charlotte was found guilty of the murder of Noor. Linda's jury accepted her defence of provocation. Charlotte was given the mandatory life sentence and Linda was given a 15-year sentence for manslaughter. The judge argued that Linda, who was a heroin addict, had initially tried to halt the trial by refusing to take her methadone Hmm. and leave to appeal was refused for both sentences. Linda appealed the severity of her sentence on the grounds that it was passed without psychiatric and probation reports, but that failed as well. Charlotte requested leave to appeal her conviction on the grounds that Justice Carney had put pressure on the jury to reach a verdict, even though the foreman had indicated they were deadlocked. This failed on the grounds that the defence did not raise objections to the comments during the trial and the fact that the jury was not affected by any kind of alleged undue pressure to reach a verdict. Right. Kathleen voluntarily returned to Ireland in February 2008 and she was charged with, amongst other offences, two counts of giving false information to Gardy about Noor's whereabouts and withholding information which she knew or believed would be of assistance in prosecuting her daughters for his murder. She was also charged with impending an arrest in the murder investigation, and she pleaded guilty to helping clean up the crime scene in order to conceal evidence. But she was sentenced to only five years in prison in May 2009, which doesn't feel like really long enough, because it sounds like she was was quite active in what was going on. So... Obviously, Kathleen is probably free now because mm-hmm. that was 10 or 13 years ago. And Linda uh, will be kind of be ready for release anytime yeah. soon, actually, now. But um, yeah, she when... might have got parole early or something yeah. as well. 15 years was it she was. Yeah, getting. she was sentenced for, so yeah. When John Mulhall learned what his daughters had done, he hanged himself in Phoenix Park oh. um, in December 2005, but he wasn't believed to have been involved in the killing in any way. Linda Mulhall turned to alcohol and slashed her arms, causing her to spend over a week in a psychiatric hospital. In April 2009, she claimed to fellow inmates that she had in fact smashed Noor's head and distributed the fragments in rubbish bins in the Phoenix Park. This first disclosure of where Noor's head had ended up was referred to as the final secret of the Scissor Sisters, as Charlotte and Linda were referred to. And then Charlotte caused further controversy in 2008 when some photos of her holding a knife to the throat of a male prisoner in Mountjoy Prison were leaked to the press. As a result, security in Irish prisons was increased, which is good. And Charlotte was moved to another prison in Limerick. How did she get near a male prisoner? prisoner how did she get a knife like how did they get a camera there are so many questions and one (laughs) of their brothers james pleaded guilty to the robbery of two prostitutes claiming that he robbed the women to support his own six children and his sister linda's four children who he'd taken on after she was jailed Um, wow 10 children (laughs) so that is the story of the murder of Farah Swale Noor and his dismembered body and this awfully mm. tragic family, I think, is who were yeah. involved and caused his demise. Yeah, probably something wrong there, but I, I guess they may 
be one of many families that live that sort of lifestyle yeah absolutely falling into kind of drink and drugs and petty crime and prostitution Prostitution, yeah yeah, falling in with kind of the wrong crowd and yeah yeah. yeah, messy but yeah just a pretty brutal way to get rid of somebody not off yeah like we're saying just now the sheer mechanics of cutting up yeah body what was it with a, a knife kitchen and... knife it might be better than those um like blunt scissors that we were using when we were chopping up <laughs> yes <laughs> doing the this autumn life but even so yeah, yeah. get through bone and disconnect yeah. the bone whoa especially yeah. with a, a bit of some muscle as well they had to get yeah through. it would yeah, take were... them hours to the like blood will have been absolutely everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. It would have been so messy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely everywhere. And it would have been in the drain of the bath and everything, even if you yeah. wash it away. And imagine going in there with a luminol. Oh kit. my god, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Would have been a lot of mess in there, I think. Yeah, pretty gruesome that one. Yeah, really gruesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing that story. You're welcome. <laughs> Any pictures? I'm sure there are. I'll find some and I will share them on our social media pages. I'll share them on our Instagram. At Dad and Daughter Do Death. On Facebook. Dad and Daughter Do Death. And if you wanted to drop us an email or get in touch at all, you can do that by emailing us at Dad and Daughter Do Death at gmail.com. Yeah. Be good to hear from you. Yes, it's always good to hear from you. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. So join us next time when once again, Dad and daughter do death.